This is episode 137, 137 of The Anxious Truth. Welcome back, dudes and dudettes. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have the same guest that we had last week. Jenna Overbaugh is back. I had such a good time, and we had such a good discussion last week uh, about orthorexia and diet and exercise-related issues as they're related to anxiety disorders that I asked Jenna to come back, and we did a second episode in a row. Uh, today, we're going to talk about postpartum OCD and anxiety issues, as specifically Jenna's own experience with those things as both a new mom and as a therapist who treats those things for a living. It was a fascinating discussion. Really good. You guys are going to enjoy it. Jenna is awesome. Before we get going, you guys know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to check out my book. If you're looking for more help than just the podcast can offer, go to theanxioustruth.com slash recovery guide. The book is called The Anxious Truth, a step-by-step guide to understanding and overcoming anxiety, panic, and agoraphobia. It's about 70,000 words, 400 printed pages. It's everything you've ever heard me say on social media or on a podcast, except in much more detail and organized in a logical sequence like you are taking a college course and how to solve your anxiety problem. So if you haven't checked it out and you're looking for more help than just, just the podcast can give you, by all means, check it out. Let's get on. Uh, welcoming back Jenna Overbaugh, second week in a row. Let's go talk about postpartum anxiety and OCD issues. You're going to dig it. Here we go. All right, we're back again with a familiar guest from last week, Jenna Overbaugh. Jenna, welcome back. Thank you. I had so much fun the first time, and I'm excited to talk about this. So Yeah, confession. We just recorded the last one literally five minutes ago, so we're lying. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not like we've had two months apart or anything like that. Anywho, last time we, we talked about- We had too much fun. We, just we had did. Too much fun. And it worked out so well that we just wanted to keep just plow through and do the second one. So last time we talked about, uh, and, and Jenna, just a quick, um, you can go back to listen to the previous episode to get all Jenna's background and stuff, but licensed professional therapist, counselor, anxiety specialist, OCD- Certified personal trainer, mom. The one we yes. want to talk about today is mom slash therapist. And, yes. and your experience going through postpartum related anxiety and OCD issues as a mom, as a professional therapist, and mm -hmm. all the burden that maybe that added, like, wow, I should know better. And, yeah. and I will tell you that in, in our Facebook group, my Facebook group, which is fairly large, if you're not in the Facebook group, go and join. Um, we have quite a few therapists that common kind of lurk. And then once in a while we'll say like, oh, here's confession. I have a PhD in clinical psychology and, and I don't know what to do. So yeah. super common. So tell us the story. What's going on. You're clearly a mom. <laughs> um, you, you know, how many kids do you have? I just have one. Okay. So I, and you'll see why that's enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what was your experience here? You are immersed with an education and dealing with anxiety disorders and treating them, helping other people. And then what happens? Right. So just really quick backstory. So in February of 2018, which is when I had my son, um, at that point, I had already been, like you said, immersed in the OCD and anxiety treatment world. It had been my life. It had been my love. I loved exposure and response prevention um, and working with people who are at the residential level of care, meaning they're the most debilitated by their condition. They are the most severe um, in the whole entire world, I knew, I felt very confidently that I knew after all those years and all of my experience, I knew very, it was pretty confident that I knew exactly what I should do if I experienced anxiety and OCD type symptoms. And I knew what I shouldn't do. So I knew about the whole anxiety cycle and the meaning that we give to, to anxiety provoking thoughts and all of those things. Um, I knew how to reduce rituals and how to postpone rituals and the importance of resisting and all of that. Um, 
so going into my pregnancy, I did not worry about it at all. Um, I didn't worry even really about postpartum depression. I felt like because I'm a therapist and because I'm aware of these things, I can almost, you know, kind of pseudo treat myself if I need to, I'll know better. Um, so I was really thinking that I was kind of immune to these issues you know, February, 2018 hits. I had my son actually on Valentine's day. He's my little Cupid. Um, and the first little bit was okay, but I had a, what I would call a traumatic delivery, which I think presents so many issues for women. Like, boom, I think it can kind of make or break a lot of other postpartum issues mentally that could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I remember the first couple of weeks were okay. Um, I think I was kind of on like this hormonal high of feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm delirious from not sleeping. This is great. Um, And then I remember the first really, really difficult intrusive thought that I remember having was around my baby's socks. And so maybe he was like a month old at that point where things started to settle in and and my husband went back to work at that point. So I was alone a lot more. I remember having such a hard time with his socks and it was winter and I was afraid that by putting socks on him, I would like snap his ankles. Um, And so I remember just being, when I had to put socks on him, first of all, I would avoid it, which I knew I was like, Jenna, you know better, you know that you should not be avoiding this. You have to put socks on him. Um, You're not, not putting socks on him because it's warm outside or because you know, of X, Y, and Z, you're avoiding putting socks on him because you're afraid that if you do, you're going to snap his ankles. And so I knew that that was clearly anxiety driven. I knew, you know, I had this intrusive thought that I would just like crack his ankle. And then I just took it from there. Um, started to avoid those things. And as you and I both know, it never really stops there. It's, you know, you give into it and you give into it and you feed the beast, it shall live. So it wasn't just once, once or two times that I struggled to put on his socks. Suddenly I just became very, very anxious about his well-being and his safety and feeling like putting shirts on him, I would snap his arm or I would pop his shoulder out of place. So I had a really hard time even doing simple things like dressing him. Um, and I remember often thinking like, I know better, like, why does it still feel so hard for me? Like, why am I, what am I doing? And so as you referenced, I already had the awful feeling that is intrusive thoughts and anxiety and giving into the rituals. Then I had this compounding guilt on top of it that I know better what's wrong with me. Yeah. And then on top of that, I had this imposter thing going on. Like I felt like a, a shoddy therapist. I, I, I know what I should be doing. How can I possibly ever go back to work? Right? Like how could I ever possibly go back and like continue to help people when I'm such a fraud? Like I can't even do it myself. Um, and it manifested in tons of other ways too. I remember being in the car with him one day on the way to the grocery store. I was, I had these intrusive thoughts that I would just leave him in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, and I would be driving, 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 and I would have an intrusive thought that I left him. And, you know, then the, then the rituals start mentally. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I got him there. Um, so the self-assurance, the mental review, I'm mentally reviewing, like, did I put him in the car? What did that, do I really remember doing that? Um, then more rituals go. I would try to listen to hear if I could hear him in the back seat. I would look in the rear view mirror. And as we know, yeah, he's facing the other way. one yeah. and then you start to doubt your confidence. You right. start to doubt your confidence. You start to doubt your confidence. And there were so many times 
that I actually had to like pull over and physically touch him to make sure that he was in the car. And that's when I knew I was like, this is insane. Like, this is, this is getting out of hand. Let's let's talk for a second, if I can interrupt about how you'd mentioned in the previous episode that we did together, that you were always, always a little bit anxious and always maybe prone to anxiety issues, but never to this. No, mm -mm, no, never. Okay. Um, I, growing up, I would always say that I was a little, like, I remember going to school and being a little bit, if anything, socially anxious, like first day of school. Oh my gosh, they're going to make us do those silly icebreakers again. Fine. I guess I'll, I'll just go first. <laughs> like, yeah. and I would always, I would always like feel a little bit of that anxiety, okay. um, going to a new school or, you know, any, anything like that. I would yeah. always feel anxious, that stomach ache right before school, but I would always, always be the first one to go. I always knew even from an early age, like if you do it, it gets easier. If you do it and you just get it over with, it's better than like dealing with that anxiety and that dread all day. Right. I knew that. Um, And oh oh my gosh, no, it had never, ever, ever gotten me this way before. Like totally different feeling, totally different feeling. Like I, I, I told my husband, it felt like a terrorist had taken over my brain and like I was no longer in control anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there were tons of tons of other examples, but eventually it got to the point where I, and I had never been to therapy before. Um, as a therapist, you'd think that we'd be like, oh my gosh, just go to therapy. It's a really easy decision. And for some people it is, but right. for me in that moment, I think I felt so low and so, so much of like an imposter yeah. that I didn't want to tell people about it. It felt really awkward. Um but eventually I needed to. And so I got there a therapist and she was absolutely incredible. Um, I started to do awesome exposures on my own. And that was really the only way through it was to the, the only way over it is to go through it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. The only way out is through. It. Yeah, exactly. So now you have the double whammy of like, we were talking earlier too. What must it be like? Then, you know, you have the information going in already. You understand the concept. You understand the treatment. You understand what happens if you give into the compulsions. Yet you're, you're doing them anyway. So now you have the double whammy of, you know, mom guilt. I'm failing as a mom and I'm failing as a therapist. Imagine people who do not have that background because so many people that I encounter, they truly have, whether it's OCD, postpartum based or any type of anxiety problem, they truly have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. No education, no background, no inkling of what it is. It's a mystery to them. So what must that have felt like for women who have no idea? I'm, it, it enrages me. Um, Thank you. It, it absolutely should. enrages yeah. me. And, yeah. you're, and you're so right. Like I cannot tell you how many women I work with on a daily basis because I now have a mom group in my local community that has over 2,000 women in it. Awesome. And like I, I cannot tell you every day it's like, this, this incredible realization, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks about throwing my baby out the window. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's an intrusive thought. And they have never heard of it before. And it brings me back. I mean, oh my gosh, I could do a whole podcast episode on this, which is just the brokenness that is the maternal mental health system. Mm -hmm. I mean, they scan, they, they, if you're lucky, six weeks after you have the baby, you will get a depression screen, which yeah. is really basic, which is, are you tired? Do you want to kill yourself? Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on that. But anyway, they don't, they don't ask about anxiety. I remember going to my doctor 
and being very open about what I knew was going on and, and all of these examples. And they still gave me a depression screen. And I specifically had to say, I'm going to not score high on this. Yeah. You need to give me an anxiety scale. <laughs> and they did. And, and there you um, go. But but, I, but women don't know how to do that. No, they, they would have no idea. Know how to do that. Right, because there's very little information. I actually wrote about this uh, in, in my book too, where like, it, in at least in the US, very few states even mandate any sort of mental health information at all in the K through 12 curriculum at all. So we all get taught that we should brush our teeth and don't share soda cans and like, you know, the basic stuff, but no one ever tells anybody that like, sometimes you will have anxiety, you will be afraid, you'll think irrational thoughts. Give me two hours sometime between kindergarten and graduation of that something. So that Seriously. at least yeah, so at least somebody at least can remember like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember ninth grade, somebody told me that this could be a thing I should ask about this. As and opposed all to being the classes, I mean, I take the, the classes, women yeah. take the classes, the breastfeeding classes, the how to put your baby in the oh, car true. seat classes, the, uh, you know, changing to like the classes where you go about yeah. birthing and all like labor and delivery and all that, like, but no discussion nothing, of these other really nothing about nothing. maternal mental health. Well, that seems Unless such a shame. You seek that out yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's like $400. Right. That seems uh, a shame. Again, give me 45 minutes in between breastfeeding and diaper changing to talk about depression and anxiety that can accompany the period after yeah. delivery. You would think that they yeah. would seem a common thing. I don't think anybody would question those postpartum issues. We all know they happen so commonly and they're so mm -hmm. normal and, and to be expected. How come nobody talks about it? It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I think Until that it happens. If, if you were to look up the statistics, I think that those are completely bunk and totally underrated. Yeah. Women don't have the context to know what intrusive thoughts are, let alone that all women and all people experience intrusive thoughts. Yeah. So they're not going to say, do you have intrusive thoughts about your baby? They're going to say no. And so then those are the statistics that we get. And so I remember me too, looking at those statistics and being like, oh, Two, only 2% 2 of women have o developed OCD and postpartum. It, this cannot possibly be me. That's only 2%. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. From the women who I talk to in my groups, in my podcasts, in my platform in general on Instagram, yeah. these, are, these are more common than not. And I think absolutely. even if maybe you would not necessarily score high enough for an official DSM diagnosis of OCD, those traits and tendencies have got to ramp up in that post delivery oh. period. So maybe you're For not sure. officially diagnosed as OCD, but it doesn't matter. What's the difference? Yep. You're still struggling with the intrusive thoughts and the, the irrational fear. So mm -hmm. what's up with that? Yeah, and it, yeah, if you think of it existing on a continuum, like yeah. a, a spectrum, right. it's not, you're bringing up something that's so, so important is it's not you're either OCD or you're not. Right, right. Like, right. In this context, it, these behaviors and these symptoms exist on a continuum. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so you could still, I mean, like I was struggling, I was looking for, I was literally having to pull over on the side of the road in traffic and touch my son to make sure that he was in there. Yeah. And I didn't have OCD at that point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I did. Right. <laughs> I was. Right. Right. I was struggling, but I didn't have a diagnosis yet. Yeah. And well, I, clearly an obsession and, and a compulsion that was driving it. So there you go. I mean, a yep. textbook definition yep. in the end. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Let's talk for a little bit about the, um, and this is a thing we hear about all the time, and people are tired of hearing me talk about this, I guess. But look, we all know that you're in a hormonal mess in, in a lot of ways. And we know this. Oh, no. This is just part of nature. Sorry, I hate, sorry you guys have to go through it, but we appreciate that you do. So there you go. On behalf of all men, I thank you. Um, we know about that. And so what I see so many women talk about is that body-centric solution to this. 
which yes, we should take care of our bodies and, and, you know, uh, post-delivery health concerns are real. And I'm sure that there are good protocols you can follow. However, so many people get sucked into thinking because this is hormonal. If I, if I eat foods rich in such and such, then I will somehow balance my hormone levels. Like they can micromanage their hormone levels through diet. Yeah. And then it doesn't go away and it increases the guilt even more. No, I must be mentally ill. Then I'm clearly a failure as a mom because I'm eating broccoli like it's going out of style or whatever their advisor tells them will fix their hormonal imbalance. It doesn't right. because it won't. And then they feel even worse. Did you encounter that as well? Or do you encounter that in your population? Um, what I, I do encounter that. And what I also encounter is this, the, especially once the baby, like once, once women start to actually feed them like foods or whatever their method for doing that is. Yeah that then attaches to the child. So I see actually more often than that Ooh. is um, this over this overly obsessive compulsive thing where it comes to the quality of the food that the baby is having. Yeah. So um, like I, I remember I work so often with, with women who struggle, they have to have all organic, they have to have um, the baby can't have any sugar, they can't have any candy, they can't have this, they can't have that. Um, to the extent where like they can't have vegetables that are in a can versus fresh and frozen. They right. can't have, they can't put any food in the microwave. And again, like if, 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 if this is where, if this is someone's out there and this is their family's lifestyle and this is their values and it's working for you, go for it. Right. Like, no problem. Go for it. No problem. But, but if it's pathological in such a way that it's bringing you anxiety and it's dry and, and you know, you're not able to kind of break from that rigid flow of your decisions and you're not able, you know, you're compulsively again, compulsively, meaning you're doing it repetitively, even though, you know, better, you're still doing it. Um, you're really rigid in your behavioral application of it. Like we're compulsively checking ingredient labels and, you know, restricting and controlling and avoiding with your food and or your baby's food, it's a problem. Yeah. And yeah. I see that so, so much. That that sounds so difficult to, to deal with. And that segues into another thing that I want to talk about, which we mentioned in the last episode, sort of the toxic fitness and diet culture. Is there a toxic mom culture online? Oh, for sure. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I can't say that because I'm not in it and I can't make a judgment. But yeah. I suspect that, that what you're getting is a lot of the message about how you're supposed to be, especially mm -hmm. as a new mom. It's, yeah, you, absolutely. There's this bliss, so, this euphoria, this perfection of like love and light. And, and you know, when you're worried about the socks, there's no love and light. It's dark, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's bad. And yeah, I think a lot of women struggle too. Like they have this baby and it's new and there's so much responsibility there. And as you know, OCD and anxiety, they latch on to anything that you're responsible for or accountable to. Yeah. And, you know, the baby can't talk. So responsibility is a huge one for moms and OCD latches on to anything that you're responsible for and uncertainty. And I think being a mom is, or a parent in general, is the perfect awful combination of both of those things you're responsible for this thing that is ultimately like very uncertain and so ocd is gonna it's just gonna be a madhouse it's yeah. gonna be a perfect storm for someone's ocd and anxiety because there's this responsibility i want to keep i, I want to keep i want to keep my baby healthy i want to do the best i possibly can for it and this is what society tells me this is what all those moms on social media are telling me they're doing this baby led weaning that i heard about and they're doing you know breastfeeding all natural blah 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 no sugar no candy in this household yeah 
And it can just be really, really awful for women to kind of maintain all those things. And then it's uncertain, which is the other thing that OCD and anxiety hates because our babies can't talk to us. Right. So there's often this anxiety around like, well, if they have sugar, are they going to like, are they going to get like physically ill? Are they, is that going to affect their development in some way? Like if I give them X, Y, and Z ingredient, is that going to have some like negative effect that we can't you can't see because they can't talk to us right you cannot see it and i think sometimes that's made look i've i've literally seen some of these messages too and i've had those conversations with women so it's fascinating that you bring that up specifically like my six-month-old can't tell me what's wrong yeah but i've almost been told by the the whatever the quote-unquote toxic mom culture that when I give birth, there's some sort of magical empath uh, thing that comes over me and I should just have this connection with my baby. How come I don't know? Like I've heard that from women, Mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking. How could I not know what's wrong with my baby? How would you know? Like, how would you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I I think that that, oh my gosh, it's just the motherhood shame cycle. So I have this on my Instagram and it's a, a cycle that I think just perpetuates all the shame. So essentially what we, we only want to tell people the highlights, right? And that's all we talk about. That's all we see on social media. We only see the highlights. We only hear the stories of moms who are like, oh my gosh, yeah, don't you just love them? Like, yeah, I wrote, I I had my baby and I was just love at first sight. You don't hear the moms like me, where I think uh, the first thing that came out of my mouth was like, get away from me. Like, I need everyone to get away from me right now. Like I need a minute. (laughs) Um, I did not have that experience of like love and light and everything is great. Um, And it's way, way more common um, than women would think, but you only hear about the good stuff. Yeah. And so then what that does by us only sharing the positive, women only think that the positive is what exists. So when they naturally experience something that doesn't fit in there, like a poor like first moment with their baby, they don't experience that love at first sight feeling. They think that something's wrong with them and that they're alone and that other people will judge them. So they keep that hidden. And so as a result, we only hear about the good stuff and the good stuff is all we hear about. So when we, you know, it just is this awful shame cycle. And so the, the remedy there, I always encourage my moms and I've gotten so much better with it too over time is talk about the hard stuff. Like not only are, is it an exposure potentially for someone who is struggling with it? Like talking about your history, talking about your, your struggles and being open and honest about your experience. It helps you because instead of being judged, you're going to get the learning experience that you can be supported and other people are with you. And two, you're breaking that shame cycle. You're helping the women in your community. You're helping the women in your family and your friend group because they know that, okay, I had that awful experience. I remember Jenna saying something about that on that podcast. Like that that's maybe not something that's wrong with me. No, it's just a common experience across humanity in a way. Like, and we could acknowledge that thing. So that's a a terrible situation. It's like, congratulations, here's a baby in an IV drip of guilt and shame. Enjoy. So yeah, yeah, go. That's pretty much what parenting is. (laughs) Sounds good. Can't wait. (laughs) Um, And and by the way, we're not going to care about you for the next six weeks. And when you do come back as a mom for your six week checkup, we're going to give you this little tiny piece of paper that addresses really, really awfully in awful terms that you're scared to be honest about your depression. And we're not going to care about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I think the other thing that you see too, which maybe this is 
Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm speaking out of school. I don't know. But in the end, the other thing that I see is that when you do, when women do express the negatives, the context that sometimes they feel like they have to express it in, I have to be snarky, I have to be funny, I have to almost wear it as a badge of honor that I can't sleep and I'm depressed and I want to kill somebody. Okay. Making light of it, glossing over it, like because you yeah. have to be sort of do it in the snarky mom blog context instead of as a human context that like, can someone please give me a hand here? Because I'm at right. my wits end. Like it's okay to say that honestly, as opposed to like, let's let's wrap it in a joke about box wine. You know, yeah, exactly. it's almost not yeah. fair that that's the way you have to that's the only permissible way to talk about it. It seems yeah. as a man looking from the outside in, it seems like there's a lot of that. Yeah. And I, and I, it's, it's, I think a difficulty of being vulnerable and, and not wanting to be judged by other women or by other professionals and of potentially getting rejected. Like I, when I, and again, I'm a therapist, right. I am my OBGYN knew that I was a therapist. She knew that I was, you know, with it and, and kind of, you know, hopefully a credible person to be talking to as far as my mental health goes. Yeah. When I finally told her that I was struggling, I told her, you know, some of the things that I was struggling with and I'm having a really hard time being alone with him. Like I'm feeling really overwhelmed and I need some help. She told me to put, to get just, she was, I, I remember her um, response was, well, how old is he? And I think at the time he was like one and a half. Yeah. Um, and she said, well, well, he can still use a pacifier. Just make sure, just let him have his pacifier. He's fine. And I was like, no, I'm crying in the shower four times a week. Yeah, this like, has nothing to do with a pacifier. And so she, then she was like, okay, okay. But yeah. the fact, again, that I even had to go that far to initiate that contact, to, to be that vulnerable and get rejected like that, like I, it enrages me what other women who aren't as like headstrong as I am or as mentally kind of equipped as I am or as like clinically, as far as expertise goes, equipped. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it just enrages me to no end. So let's kind of wrap it up. We were right up at the 25 minute mark. I so, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this conversation. Like yeah, me it is, too. it is enlightening. It is educational. It is you're like, you're teaching me a whole lot of stuff. And I feel like it's things that people need to hear in a big way. And I'm, I yeah. appreciate of you for being very honest and just putting it out there without any coding Thank on you. it. Yeah. More people need to do that. So I'm super happy that people will hear you do it. You, do you have, so you have a, a new mom. She's struggling with a lot of things. Let's give her some advice. What should she do? First thing I would tell her is to be able to advocate for yourself. Um, to just be aware that the problem isn't you. The problem is that you've been wronged by society and by the maternal mental health system. Like you should have felt equipped to deal with these things from the get-go. This is not your fault. Um, I would also encourage just education. There's something that's so important and so unique to the mom um, community. I think whether we're talking about OCD, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, there is some relief that comes from solidarity. Yeah. Um, you know, knowing that someone else is experiencing the same thing and it's not just you, that's even tenfold for moms in the mom community because there's so much at stake when you feel like you're a bad mom. Um, and so knowing that someone else is going through it, who you trust and who you feel like is a good mom that alleviates so much of this guilt and shame that you feel. Yeah. And so I would secondly, like just promote the education, the, the solidarity, knowing that you're not alone, that women struggle like this three to find 
a support group that they find that they find to be trustworthy and non-judgmental that they you know a little mom tribe um mm. and there are my advice is if you can't find them make one yourself Start that's one. what i did yeah um, yeah yeah so you have two thousand people I, it's impressive yeah so yeah i started a mom group um in my maternity leave at the peak of, you know, everything kind of getting difficult. I really wanted a mom group. There wasn't anything in my area. There were some breastfeeding support groups and stuff, but that wasn't, I, I needed a place to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I created it myself. Um, and it started out with like 10 women here and there we'd meet in person and we'd talk about things. Um, we'd go for a walk with our babies and it was just nice to have someone to like get out of the house with. And now we have over 2000 members. Um, so yeah, I mean, find, the third piece of advice is finding a support group, finding that trusted group of moms who you feel comfortable with, who you can share things with and be, you know, validated by. And if that is in the form of a support group, that's great. If, if you can't find one, make one yourself. Yeah. Because um, I guarantee other women would be desperate for that resource if it doesn't exist. And four, um, I, th I think Instagram is a great place. Like social media can be really awful sometimes as far as comparisons go and all of that. But I think there's also some really good conversations taking place on social media. And if you can be just conscious about how, whether the accounts that you're following make you feel good or whether the accounts that you're following make you feel bad, unfollow the ones or get rid of the ones that make you feel bad. Get right. rid of the ones that you're com negatively comparing yourself to or that are kind of setting yourself up for failure as far as expectations go. Um, but I know, I know I'm constantly posting postpartum resources and, and things that women have reached out to me and said, like, I never thought of it that way before. That's so validating. And that validation and solidarity, like I've said before, is so important. And then the last thing is talk to someone. Like, do not wait for it to become a crisis situation, because as you probably know, therapists aren't it, to get into a good one who specializes in OCD or anxiety or postpartum stuff. Like, to find a good fit might take a while. Yeah. Um, and you may not be able to get in right away. Um, so I know my, when I finally did call someone to set up a therapist appointment, um, I think they wanted to wait six weeks Ouch. and I was like, no, I, I would see you today if I could. Yeah. That's a long um, wait. Six weeks. Yeah. 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 And so luckily I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone and I got in, but again, normal everyday women don't have those connections. Right. Right. And so I, my, like, if I could scream a piece of advice, it would be to set yourself up as you're expecting or like early postpartum. If you haven't already scheduled it, schedule it, like set yourself up with a therapist. If you don't need it, don't, then don't go, then cancel the appointment. It but doesn't hurt to have it though. Yeah. Set it up. Like be on, like be proactive, be preventative about it. Yeah. Um, because once the baby's there, you're going to have a million and one excuses to not go and to not take care of yourself. So I would have that set up before you even have the baby. Yeah. Yeah. You can always cancel it. I like that. That's very good advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Waiting till you need it is not a good idea. Excellent. Thank you so much. How can people yeah. find you online? Let's do that again. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me mostly on Instagram. I'm at Jenna.Overbaugh. And again, that's where I find, I put most of my resources, my guides, all that stuff. Um, you can also find some more resources. I'll eventually have up some e-courses and some, uh, some groups that I'll be running for postpartum um, on there. So that's at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a podcast. It's called All the Hard Things and it's available on all podcast platforms. 
Um, and something that's awesome about that podcast for the moms in particular is I have a mini series on that podcast called Anonymous, where I interview moms anonymously about their experiences. So that's been a really, really awesome and really popular podcast series because you get to hear about all these things that you don't necessarily get to hear. And it's crazy that like Jane Doe at the grocery store would have this story, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, we all like it. It's just absolutely fascinating. The women who have come forward with stories of miscarriage and traumatic deliveries and postpartum anxiety, and then having them share their story. I, like people tell me all the time that they're just listening in their car and they're like, yes, yes, that's me. That's me. And that's the experience that we need as moms. We that's need brilliant. to know that we're not alone. Anonymous is freaking brilliant. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. So you guys, if you go to the anxious truth.com slash one, three, seven, this will be episode one thirty seven. I'll have all of Jenna's links up there, the podcast and everything. Anonymous. I'm digging that. Yeah. It's awesome. I want to do something like that. I don't know how to do it, but like something like that. Anyway. Um, thanks for coming on. We'll do yeah. more of these. You, you are, you're a pleasure to have on the podcast. Oh, so. thank you. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. We did two in a row and it was time well spent. So guys, thanks for coming by. And, uh, I guess we'll just see you in the next one. Okay, how great was that? Like, seriously, how great was that? I cannot thank my friend Jenna enough for coming on and doing two podcasts with me in a row. That was so educational for me. Uh, clearly, as a man, I cannot speak directly to the issues that she did so eloquently and so passionately, and I really appreciate that. If you guys want to find Jenna, I will link all of her stuff uh, on my website. Go to theanxioustruth.com slash 137. This is episode 137. I'll have all of Jenna's links right there. Go follow along with her. Listen to her podcast. Clearly, she has a lot of great stuff to share. And I am internally thankful that she was able to come on and, and share it with us. So as usual, guys, I'm going to ask, as Ben Drake plays us out with Afterglow, my buddy Ben, um, if you're listening on iTunes or some platform that lets you rate and review the podcast, leave a rating or a review, especially if you are enjoying it, because the more ratings and reviews, the more people can find the podcast which means the more people we can help. So thanks for coming by. As always, you can find Ben and his song Afterglow at facebook.com slash Ben Drake Music. Thank you, Ben, for permission to use your song. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I will see you in the next episode. It's in the afterglow. It's in the lyrics of the songs we know. It's in these feelings that you never show. Yeah, y'all doing fine. It's all around you.